Hi, I'm Dan Permack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today is Thursday, March 25th. New jobless claims are down, the corporate tax rate may be going up, and we're talking to Ben and Jerry about the new era of corporate civic responsibility. CEOs are America's new politicians. That's a line coined by my boss, Jim Vandehei, in the middle of 2019, as more and more companies began expanding their mission beyond just core product and shareholder value. It's a trend that then rapidly accelerated last summer in the wake of George Floyd's killing and then almost seemed expected by the time of the January 6th insurrection. But not everyone is new to using their business as an agent for social change. Ben & Jerry's, which is objectively the most delicious ice cream in your grocer's freezer, has mixed its founder's political activism with its corporate activities since almost the moment it was founded in 1978. For example, Ben & Jerry's created so-called peace pops to protest nuclear proliferation during the Reagan era. It later was a vocal and early advocate for gay marriage, and at one point even had a policy whereby the company's CEO couldn't make more than five times what its lowest paid employee made although that policy disappeared when Unilever bought Ben & Jerry's in 2000. More recently, the company's eponymous co-founders have been advocating for an end to qualified immunity for police officers and have even created an entire advocacy group around it. So today we want to talk with Ben & Jerry, who officially remain company employees, although they don't have any day-to-day -day responsibilities. We'll ask about their legacy, what they think of the rising tide of corporate activism, and, of course, ice cream. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield, better known as Ben and Jerry. Uh, ben, let's start with you. Can you talk a little bit about how early in your company's lifetime you decided you wanted it to have a corporate responsibility angle? And as a piece of that, who did you look to, if anyone? You know, we see business as just another member of the community, uh, a well-to-do and very influential member of the community. And as a member of the community, we need to take stands for justice. So that's what we do. When you were starting the company or in its early days, was there another company out there, either big or maybe small and local, that you looked to and said, oh, that's kind of who we want to emulate? I think in the early days, we were looking at companies like Patagonia, which is still doing amazing things. There were a handful of pioneering companies, The Body Shop, uh, Stonyfield Farm Yogurt, and we were within that group. Ben, when you were hiring employees, did you ever hear from a prospective hire, you know, I'm interested in working here, but my politics don't line up with yours? I think usually people pretty much self-selected. Uh, if their polit politics didn't line up, they didn't really apply. Jerry, your thoughts on this? For example, Ben and Jerry's was an early supporter of marriage equality and same-sex marriage. And I specifically remember somebody interviewing who simply did not agree with those values. And, you know, it, it made sense for both that person and the company to uh, to not be engaged together. Ben, I'm curious. Let me ask on the customer side of it. I, I know there's always this uh, concern by companies, particularly consumer brands, that if you take a stand on really almost anything, folks who disagree might not want to buy your product. How do you balance that or how did you balance that? You know, there's always folks who disagree and don't want to buy your product. I mean, you know, no product owns 100% of a given market. 
So people are making decisions about buying one product versus another based on a whole raft of considerations. And for our, I, and I think a lot of times consumers are buying from corporations despite what the corporation stands for. Corporations are looking, are, or consumers are looking for corporations that take stands for fairness, equality, and justice. I mean, those are things that we all kind of grew up with and we're told we're part of the American way. And so those are the types of stands that we take. And, you know, uh, the majority of people support us. Uh, there's a bunch of people who don't. Year after year, we keep on selling more and more ice cream. Jerry, in a lot of ways, Ben and Jerry was the forerunner of a lot of what we saw in terms of corporate social responsibility, for example, last summer in the wake of the George Floyd killing. How do you see the company's legacy impacting what other companies are doing today? I think Ben and Jerry's has shown that uh, it's possible for a business, for a corporation to speak out about social justice issues and not just be thinking about its own financial self-interest. And, you know, that's really the most important thing with business as such a powerful force in the society. We can't afford to have business simply be thinking about itself. It needs to be thinking about a just and fair and equitable society. And Ben, your thoughts? I think Ben and Jerry's showed that it can be done uh, much in the same way that Colin Kaepernick showed that celebrities can take a stand on social issues and 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 that's opened the door and others are now feeling that yeah we can do that it's been more than 20 years after you guys sold the company to Unilever and when you did there was a lot of concern i think from from fans of the company that the culture itself was going to change for example you guys had, had a rule about what the highest paid employee could make as a multiple of the lowest paid employee to the company What's the most important thing, Jerry, that you think survived that merger in terms of culture and the most important thing that didn't? Well, let me add that Ben and I had concerns as well. It was not something we wanted to have happen. Uh, I, I think the idea that Ben and Jerry's can continue to be outspoken, uh, you know, it was in 2016, Ben and Jerry's publicly supported Black Lives Matter. After the murder of George Floyd, Ben and Jerry spoke out about we must dismantle white supremacy. So I think that courage is is what is wonderful that has survived. You know, I think the company is maybe a little more corporate than it used to be. Ben in the old days and still today is the consummate rule breaker. And I don't think there is many people breaking rules at Ben and Jerry's these days. Ben, for you. Let me let me follow up on that. Jerry said you're the consummate rule breaker. Right now, what is the thing you think companies at large or corporations at large, the rule they should be breaking that they're still following? Well, they seem to think that there's a rule that companies cannot take uh, stands on issues that are not in their own narrow self-interest. You know, our all of our legislation is pretty much controlled by business. Business pays billions of dollars a year for all the lobbyists that they have in Congress that are there just to support their own narrow self-interest 
many times, usually at the expense of regular everyday citizens. And I think businesses need to start understanding that they need to use their power for the common good, not just for their own narrow self-interest. We saw some of that with certain companies, including kind of, and it was almost in the opposite way, right? The pledges to stop making certain donations and certain lobbying in the wake of January 6th. Jerry, do you expect that what we saw last summer from companies in terms of Black Lives Matter, et cetera, what we saw after January 6th, do you believe companies are going to have stick to itness, or are those press releases and once the, the temperatures die down, they stop caring about those things? I think we as citizens need to push these companies to hold to their commitments. I think companies need to be public about what they're committing to do, and then we need to hold them to it. Uh, it's wonderful that businesses spoke out so forcefully as they did. It's time to turn protest into policy. Uh, a campaign Ben and I are working on is the campaign to end qualified immunity. Qualified immunity is essentially get out of jail free card for bad cops. And We've been trying to engage businesses on that as well as advocacy organizations and the public. There's already 700 businesses that have signed on to this letter urging Congress to pass a law to overturn qualified immunity, which is the reason why you see so many of these cops doing these horrendous things and they're getting off scot-free. Ben, what was the impetus for you and Jerry too, as you say, focus on qualified immunity? You guys just uh, put a op-ed in the Hill. Kind of, what was that first conversation between the two of you where you said this is something we need to really be focusing on? I think we were both uh, going crazy about the idea that over and over and over again these cops commit these horrendous acts. And even when it's caught on video, and I need to point out that most of them are not caught on video. Even when they're caught on video, they get off scot-free. And you've got the fraternity of police going out there and defending those bad cops. And then we saw this letter from uh, the Players Coalition, uh, 1,400 professional athletes and front office people urging Congress to overturn qualified immunity. And we started looking into what that was. And we said, we want to support those guys. We want to get very active in that campaign. And we started to get 700 business leaders to sign up, got artists and, you know, performers, celebrities. We have a book coming out on the subject and we staffed up. Now we have the campaign to end qualified immunity that has a full staff of PR, digital people and strategists. And we're passing laws on the state level. New Mexico just passed the law through both houses, and, and we're working on the federal level. That's the key, is to get it done on the federal level. Jerry, do you believe that you will succeed on the federal level? I think it is an uphill battle, but what's amazing to me is the broad coalition of groups that support ending qualified immunity. It's, it's liberals and libertarians. It's police officers, it's lawyers, it's judges. It's not just the ACLU and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. It's also the Cato Institute. It's uh, Americans for Prosperity. It's 
it's cross-ideological. Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court supports ending qualified immunity as well as Sonia Sotomayor. So it's, it's quite amazing how broad that support is. And Ben? People of all political persuasions can agree on justice. That is not partisan. And, you know, you say, is it going to happen? It's going to happen if people get on the phone to their legislators and tell them they want it to happen. Ben, we're now nearly a year after the big BLM protests. How should we measure what companies do or don't do in terms of living up to the promises they made? Well, there's several ways. I mean, they need to change the way they operate internally. Companies need to diversify their supplier base and their upper level management and their board of directors. But companies need to take political stands. I mean, you, you, I mean, companies understand very, very well that real change happens in Washington, D.C. That's why they spend billions of dollars every year trying to influence what happens in Washington, D.C., and they do influence what happens. Uh, They need to start using that power to pass laws that address the issue of racial injustice. Guys, last thing, I can't let you go without an ice cream question because I, I just can't. So just a, a quick one word answer. This is for both both of you, Jerry first, then Ben. Uh, you can only have one pint for the rest of your life. What is the flavor, Jerry? Americone dream, vanilla ice cream, a caramel swirl, and fudge-covered pieces of waffle cones. Ben? Jerry Garcia, the old standby. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time. All right. Thank you. Take care. Welcome back. What we're watching today is vaccinations. The CDC now reports that one-third of all U.S. adults have received at least one jab, and that figure rises to 70% for people over 65. What it means is that President Biden has already hit his goal of 100 million vaccination shots within his first 100 days, even though we're not really that close to the 100 days yet, which probably is why the White House today upped its own ante, pledging there will be 200 million shots by that 100-day mark. Two other pieces of vaccine news. First, AstraZeneca has come out with updated efficacy data for its vaccine after the NIH said its initial release relied upon out-of-date numbers. In short, the efficacy drops from 79% to 76%, although it continues about 1,000 in terms of hospitalizations and deaths. Second, the first baby has now been born with COVID-19 antibodies. The infant girl is from Florida, and her mother was a healthcare worker who got her first dose of the Moderna vaccine while 36 weeks pregnant. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review. And if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, please rectify that situation. Have a great National Lobster Newberg Day. And we'll be back Tuesday with another Axios Recap.